0: Well, we um, gathered again, gathered again, um, to listen to the preaching of. God's Word. Uh, for those who, who are new or are newish, uh, we have been journeying through the book of First uh, Corinthians, and we're actually almost at the end of that letter, and we now find ourselves in chapter number 15. So if you can already start turning there to First Corinthians chapter 15. Last week, Isaac started us off in the chapter by stating that the resurrection is a fundamental piece or a foundational piece to the doctrine of our faith. He used the example of Jenga, the game that you play where you pull off those little pieces, and he mentioned if you pull off uh, some of the important pieces at the bottom, the whole structure comes tumbling down, and he made mention that the resurrection of Jesus is one of those pieces. Um, he then we then noted from the text that we can be as bold as to say that no resurrection, no Christianity. No resurrection, no Christianity. And the focus of Isaac's sermon last week was to point us to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul is now going to move on to focus on the resurrection of the body. He started his argument by showing us of the evidence, the historicity of the resurrection of Jesus, but now we're going to see the, 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 the argument that there is a bodily resurrection. Now, I want to start off with a question. Who do you spend a lot of time with? Think about it. Who's one person or two people or a group of people who you spend a lot of time with? So as I was preparing this, I was thinking, last year, I spent a lot of time with Daniel, I spent a lot of time with Hannah, I spent a lot of time with Tolamo, with Conrad, and with Carsten, and the more time we spent together, the more we sounded alike. If you speak to Hannah, you'll hear a little bit of Jabu or Daniel. If you speak to Tolamo, you'll hear a little bit of Carsten or Conrad, because we spend so much time together. And because God has called us to lead in the ministry that we're in, you'll also notice that we spend a lot of time with students because students are also starting to sound like us. I have a few examples. You will probably hear students use words like depraved or students use words like chow or students use words like that's biblical or hiki haka." This is just evidence that the more time we spend together, the more we rub off on each other. So what's the point? The more time you spend with someone, the more you look like them, the more you sound like them, the more you behave like them. And the Apostle Paul is going to make that argument here tonight. The more time the Corinthian church spends with those who don't believe in the resurrection, the more they start to sound like them, the more they start to speak like them, and the more they start to behave like them. But I wanted to challenge us, even as an aside, specifically to our student ministry. It does, it is a testimony of how close we are as a community that lingo spreads like wildfire. We spread a lot of of jargon, we spend a lot of lingo. In fact, we spend a lot of culture. But I do want to start off by challenging us that I pray that we are not just known for spreading lingo or jargon fueled with banter. Man, do we love to banter? <laughs> But I do pray that we would influence each other towards godliness. I pray that we would influence each other towards spreading conformity to Christ as the only standard and everything else must look like taboo. That is my prayer. With that in mind, if you are ready in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll start from verse 29. Verse 29 reads, Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if humanly speaking a fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Let's pray. God, as we've gathered here tonight to listen to the preaching of your word, my God, I pray that it would be you who speaks to us. I pray that you would soften our hearts to be receptive to the message that you have prepared for us. Lord, I pray that you'd remove any hindrances that may blind us from the truths you have prepared for us. And would help us to come, Lord, with a hunger for truth. But Lord, also, God, a hunger to want to repent. A hunger, Lord, to want to look like Jesus. A hunger to see what scripture calls of me and to make right where I need to make right. God, I pray that even as I speak, That God, you'd please give me clarity of speech. I pray, Lord, that you'd protect me from inserting my own agendas or my own opinions. But God, may I speak as one who's just a herald of the great King. And I really pray, Lord, that you would bless our time together as we go through your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing I'd like us to consider today is, if the dead are not raised, if the dead are not raised. To remind us, see verse 29 to 33. It says, Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die Every day, what do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought every piece at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived; for bad company ruins good conduct. So, if the dead are not raised, then our actions are senseless. If the dead are not raised, our actions are senseless. Now this passage is a passage that has got many theologians and many pastors doing cartwheels trying to understand what did the apostle mean by baptized on the behalf of the dead. Is this the origin or is this a proof text for, um, for penance? Is this a proof, test, proof text for people are saved by baptism? can i be baptized on someone else's behalf or should we baptize the dead what in fact is the apostle paul talking about here so to help us understand what the apostle paul is talking about we need to start from what is known we need to work from what is known and what is revealed in the scriptures to explain the unknown or seemingly obscure so firstly Paul is writing in response to those who believe that there is no bodily resurrection. He starts his argument by saying that if the dead are not raised, then Christ did not rise from the dead. And if Christ did not rise from the dead, then our faith is in vain, our faith is futile, and we, in fact, are still dead in our sins. Secondly, he moves on to say, Because Christ is indeed risen, because it is a historical fact, we have hope that we will be as He is. We are those who are in Christ. We are those who were baptized with Him in His death. Our flesh died with Jesus on the cross. It was buried with Him. Our sins are covered completely. And because he is risen, we have a hope that is alive. Amen. We can rest assured that we will have bodies like his. And finally, we will be like he is. We will be holy. So in light of this, Paul is arguing that both his and the Corinthians practice are consistent with a belief in the resurrection of the dead. He then elaborates. There were those Christians or there were those in Corinth who were being baptized on the behalf of the dead. It seems as though that there was that idea that whatever benefit, whether a benefit for salvation or a benefit for sanctification that flowed from baptism might be received by the dead through this substitutionary act. So I can be baptized on behalf of my late grandma and because I'm baptized for her, she will receive whatever benefits they are and so to practice this paul is saying and to deny the doctrine of the resurrection was illogical so paul is saying if there is no resurrection from the dead then what is the point if death is the end then why are you being baptized for the dead but it is important to note what is paul not saying Paul is not condoning this practice. Some have argued that if the Apostle Paul did not approve of this practice, then why does he not give us a treatise like he usually does on why this practice was unbiblical? Well, I think the answer is simple. He doesn't explain whether this practice was biblical or unbiblical because that was not the point. He was merely using this as an illustration to show the Corinthians that through their practice, whether right or wrong, we'll see that it's wrong, they showed that they actually believed in the resurrection. But scripture is clear. Scripture is clear that baptism does not and cannot save you. Scripture is clear that a person cannot save himself by being baptized. And if he cannot save himself by being baptized, then surely he cannot save anybody else by that act of baptism. So the Bible teaches consistently. That salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. In fact, we read in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Friends, there is no second chances after death. If you have wasted all the time that God has allotted you on the earth to make things right with Him, to put your faith in Him, to serve Him in obedience, then you cannot rectify that after death. There are no second chances after death. If you wasted your life on earth pleasing men and pleasing yourself, you cannot on judgment day ask God for a second chance to then try to please him. J.C. Ryle wrote this. It is better to confess Christ a thousand times now and be despised by men than to de- than to be disowned by Christ before God on the judgment day. So friends, baptism cannot save you. In fact, if, if Paul was arguing for baptism, Alistair Begg says, then we might as well live our best lives now, live in sin, do whatever we want to do, and write it in our last will and testament, please, won't you be baptized on my behalf? Right? But that's not what Paul is saying. Paul was using their practice to say, look, your practice says that you believe in the resurrection. You are being illogical and you are being senseless. He then goes on to say in verse 30, Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. So Paul gives us two examples. The first example were those who were being baptized on behalf of the dead. The second example he gives us is his own example. He says, if you look at our practice, if you look at our manner of life, it shows you that we also believe in the resurrection. The apostles put themselves in the fires of persecution because they believed in the resurrection. They believed in the good news of the gospel. They went out preaching Christ because they believed that he would save souls and he would save them if they died whilst preaching Christ. Paul says about the church in Thessalonica, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming, is it not you? He says something similar in this passage when he's referring to those in Corinth. He says, I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day he suffered all that he did in Corinth for the sake of their souls. He believed that they were in need of the gospel. And as the love of Jesus constrained him, he was compelled by the love of God. He would be an ambassador of Christ, even if it meant to his death. So the apostles All 12 of them, including the Apostle Paul, would be lunatics if they were risking their lives for what they believed to be a lie. They would be insane if they gave up comfort here on earth to perpetuate a lie about a risen saviour. Friends, I want you to listen to what, trans, what tradition holds as how the apostles died. Now, we're not sure if this is entirely true, but the point is, listen to what they did for the sake of the gospel. Listen to the, to the lens they were willing to go for the sake of Christ. Listen to this. King Herod had James put to death with the sword. Likely a reference to beheading because he believed Matthew suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia, killed by a sword wound because he believed John faced martyrdom when he was boiled in a huge basin of boiling oil during a wave of persecution in Rome. However, he was miraculously delivered from death, and still John was sentenced to the mines of the. The prison island of Patmos. Why? Because he believed. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, was a missionary to Asia. He witnessed in present-day Turkey and was martyred for preaching in Armenia, being flayed to death by a whip. Why? Because he believed. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross in Greece after seven soldiers whipped Andrew severely. They tied his body to the cross with cords to prolong his agony. Why did he go through this? Because he believed. Matthias, the apostle chosen to replace the traitor Judas Iscariot, was stoned and then beheaded. Why? Because he believed. Go into the New Testament. Stephen, even whilst being stoned to death, pleads for the forgiveness of his attackers. Why? Because he believed. The apostle Paul endured great hardship calamities beatings imprisonment riots labors sleepless nights and hunger why because he believes and then there's jim Elliot. jim elliott answered the call of god to go to the orca village to tell this je- this dangerous and uncivilized tribe about jesus he, this is what he knew. He knew that the orcas had killed all outsiders, even caught, ever caught in their area. Even though this was a dangerous task, Jim Elliott had no doubt God wanted him to tell the orcas about Jesus. Listen to his story. Jim and Pete, his fellow missionary, almost immediately heard terrifying cry behind them. As they turned, they saw a group of orca warriors with their spears raised, ready to throw. Jim Elliott reached for his gun in his pocket. He had to decide instantly if he would use it, but he knew he couldn't. Each of the missionaries had promised they would not kill an orca who did not know Jesus to save himself from being killed. Within seconds, the Orca warriors threw their spears, killing all the missionaries. Why? Because they believed. In less than two years, widowed wife, Elizabeth Elliot, her daughter Valerie, Rachel Saint were were able to move to this very village. And many Orcas became Christians, and they are known to be a friendly tribe today. Why? Because people believed the gospel. People believed that Jesus Christ is risen. People believed that he is able to raise them from the dead. So because of the resurrection, we too today can cling to the words of Second Corinthians 5 verse 1. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. And as Jim Elliot so famously said, he is no fool who gives away what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So it is true that the resurrection holds our great hope to a reunion with those who believed in Christ who have died. The hope that sustained David after the death of his infant son was that though he would not return, he will go to him. David knew that one day he and his son would be reunited. Friends, we too can rest assured that though our deceased loved ones will not return to us, we will go to them. We will be reunited with them because the Lord Jesus Christ has given us a hope that is alive, that hope is found in the resurrection. So secondly, if Christ, if the dead, sorry, if the dead are not raised, then what's the point of morality? Morality. See verses 32 to 33. He says, what do I gain? If humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. What's the point? If Jesus was not resurrected, why why have I, the Apostle Paul, gone through all of this affliction? The Apostle Paul could say to himself, if Jesus was not raised, what a life wasted. He says, if the dead are not raised, hey, let us live for the now because there is nothing after death. If there is no resurrection, then there is no judgment. So become a glutton. It doesn't matter. Spend all your nights at Rockets, at Blue Room, at Social Club, News Cafe, Zanzu, Square 2.0, or the Strip because there is no resurrection for the dead. Go on and live your life. Fulfill all the lusts of your flesh. Live in a drunken stupor. Live, in a, live a life to be remembered for your success on earth academically, socially, or even corporately if the dead are not raised. But, the Apostle Paul says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Church, It is the desire of the evil one to have you deceived that the dead are not raised. It is the desire of the deceiver to have you deceived that Jesus did not rise from the dead, so therefore live your best life now. It is the desire of the evil one and his forces to keep you in ignorance of judgment day. It is the desire of the devil to keep you associated with people who will always whisper, In your ears, what Paul called fine sounding arguments. But I like how the NLT says it. It says high sounding nonsense. It makes sense for the moment, but its consequences could be eternal. If you hang out with people who don't believe in the resurrection, oh, you Corinthians, you will behave as they do. That's Paul's point. But Paul is also speaking to those who are here at Central Baptist Church tonight. If you hang out with people who don't believe in the resurrection, if you are consumed by music that opposes sound doctrine, if you are consumed by movies and series that teach unbiblical ideologies, if you are consumed by books or podcasts of people who refute the truth of a risen Christ, then you will behave as they do. You will look more like the world than you will look like Jesus. Church, do not be deceived, the Apostle Paul says. Unsound doctrine leads to ungodly behavior. The more time you spend with people who reject the gospel, the more you will adapt a YOLO type of lifestyle. Friends, the way that you think affects what you do. And that's why the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, renew your mind, renew your mind, renew your mind. There is a direct relationship about what you believe about the future and how you behave in the present. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then there is no urgency to share Christ or to get your life in order. If you believe in the resurrection of the dead because of Jesus, then there must be a sense of urgency in your life to live in repentance. There must be a sense of urgency in your life to walk with the Spirit and die to your flesh. There must be a sense of urgency in your life to warn others that their sin will lead them to hell. There must be a sense in your life that you are living with hope that our Jesus is alive. So as you sit here tonight, do your actions reflect a person who believes in the resurrection of the dead? Do your actions reflect a person who believes in the resurrection of the dead? Do your actions show that you believe that both the just and the unjust will be resurrected? They will stand before the judgment seat of God and they will give an account for all the deeds done in the flesh. Do your actions show that you believe that some will be sent to the place where the worm does not die, a place of fire and brimstone, a place of outer darkness, a lake of fire, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place of eternal separation from the blessings of God, a prison, a place of torment because of the rejection of Jesus? Do your actions show that you believe that people are actually going to hell? Do your actions show that you believe that the suffering of the present time does not compare to the glory that is to be revealed? Do your actions show that you believe that you will one day be like he is? Do your actions show that you believe that he is coming soon? Do your actions show that you believe that this world can only destroy the body but not the soul? Church, what you believe affects how you behave. Do you believe? So to close, if you've answered yes, that you believe, then wake up. Wake up because he is risen. He is risen. See verse 34. It says, wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning for some have no knowledge. I say this to your shame. The point of all this was for the Apostle Paul to evoke shame in the Corinthian church. This was a wake-up call. And I hope that this was a wake-up call for us here tonight. The church had been drunk They were drunk of the distilleries of the world and they were drunk in their foolishness and sin. The more they inclined their ears to those who held to a false doctrine of the resurrection, the more they found themselves ensnared to sin. So Paul calls them and he calls us here tonight and he says, wake up. Wake up from your ignorance from this topic of the resurrection. Wake up, for you are surrounded by dangers and those who would lead you into error and evil. Wake up from such wild, deceptive, and false opinions of people who adjust their view of the Bible and the character of God to accommodate themselves. Wake up and exercise a constant vigilance as is becoming of those who are friends of God and hopeful anticipants of a blessed resurrection wake up and do not keep on sinning do not depart from the truth or from holiness do not embrace a doctrine which will not only which is not only erroneous but has the tendency to lead you into sin for some have no knowledge so they live in sin but you have been given knowledge so you have no excuse to be in sin so just to close, those who, have, who are known by Christ are seen by their stance for truth and righteousness. Those who are known by Christ do not live in sin because they know and believe that Jesus is coming. They are actively telling the world of Jesus because they believe that he is coming. They are willing to suffer for his sake because they believe that Jesus is coming and it is all worth it. It is better to live in suffering for Jesus than to live even a moment in the pleasures of this world. So do you believe that Jesus is coming? Do you believe that Jesus is risen? Do you believe that the dead will be risen? Let's pray. And so God, even as I close tonight, I really pray that if if the sermon had the same effect as the Apostle Paul's intention to challenge the church at Corinth, Lord, to bring about shame in the way that they behaved. If there are those who are here who, who may be feeling that sense of shame, my God, I pray that you'd point them to the cross. I pray that you'd point them to the cross where the Lord Jesus Christ had bore all our sins, Lord, those sins we've committed, Lord, those things we knew we were supposed to do but we did not do, those thoughts we thought that we were not supposed to think, Lord, those lies we believed instead of holding to the truth, Jesus had died for all of that. So I pray that they would come to you and they they would repent of their sins and, and they would seek to walk now in newness of life where their minds are renewed with the truths of your word. Oh God, I pray that we wouldn't be a community that says we believe in Jesus with our lips, but our practices are far from that. May we not be a community that believes that the dead will be raised because Jesus was raised from the dead and yet our actions don't show that. Oh Lord, I pray that we would be known as those whose actions are in line with a belief of the resurrection. So I really pray that you would by your spirit Lord, really bring us back to the path of righteousness. Lord, help us to walk in the light as you are the light. And Lord, don't you give us a strong and firm conviction that Jesus Christ is risen. But God, I also want to pray for those who are here tonight who are grieving the passing of a loved one. I pray that you would assure them tonight and, and give them a renewed hope that as David said, I know my loved one won't come to me, but I know that I will go to them. There is this, this assurance we have because our God is alive that we will one day be reunited with our loved ones who believed in Jesus. So God, give us an urgency to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to walk in righteousness till you come. This I pray in your name, amen.